Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. To the Sports Angle, live on Facebook, go to our page at the Sports Angle Radio. We are live in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. I'm your host, Rocco Ratelli. Let's get into it. Spring training is finally here. Baseball is going to be underway just in a bit. And there are teams that are already making impressions But I want to focus on one important aspect. I want to focus on something that not a lot of people are going to pay attention to, but they should pay attention to, and that is the MLB starting pitching. For anyone who watches baseball, you will know that your starting pitching, your ace, your number one pitcher is very valuable. But if you don't have a number two, if you don't have a guy that can also be at the top of his quality when it comes to the MLB starting rotation, then you will fall flat. We have seen in World Series, we've seen a divisional series, we've seen a championship series, we have seen in the regular season how important depth is when it comes to an MLB starting rotation. If you lose your ace, if he goes down with an injury, a lot of teams can't recover. And then there are teams that because they have so much pitching on their roster, that they can lose one guy and still survive. Now, who can those teams be? If we're talking about 2021 MLB What teams have depth in their starting rotation? Who are teams that if they lose the head of the table, who can they still rely on to get the job done? How about we go to the AL Central? Let's talk about the Chicago White Sox. They have Dallas Keuchel, Lucas Giolito. They have very solid pitching, Michael Kopech. The Chicago White Sox might be that team that if they lose a Giolito, they'll be fine with the with those two right behind them. That if they lose Keuchel, if they lose a Kopech, that their starting rotation will still be salvageable. Well, how about a team that traded one of their starting pitchers to the New York Mets? And we're going to talk about the fact that the New York Mets have one of the most loaded starting rotations we have seen in baseball over the last five years. You have DeGrom, you have Stroman, you have Carrasco, you have all of these players like a Noah Syndergaard that can help the New York Mets. The question we need to ask is, will that starting rotation make up for the lack of bats the New York Mets normally have? When injuries start to clamp down on the New York Mets organization, Will DeGrom, Stroman, will all those guys in that starting rotation be able to hold their weight? And if we're going to discuss our starting pitching as we are here on the sports angle, we mentioned the Mets, we've mentioned the Chicago White Sox. How about the Washington Nationals? Because the Washington Nationals still have Max Scherzer, They have an MVP in Steven Strasburg. Patrick Corbin has been a nice addition. They brought over John Lester as a veteran to fill out that rotation. You have Eric Beatty coming up, coming from the bullpen. He could be also a good guy as your number five. 
I've said this on the sports angle in the past, that if the Washington Nationals can build that rotation to be a consistent cornerstone for that roster, then the Nationals aren't going to be right behind the Mets in the division. They could actually battle with the Atlanta Braves if their starting rotation holds its weight. And that's the main point I want to mention. Holding their weight. The Mets, the Nationals, the White Sox, they all have to hold their weight in the starting rotation because of that fact that some of their bats are not as good as they should be. That their starting lineup has weaknesses. They have soft spots. And when you have a soft spot in your lineup, that will be an exploit that the opposite team will use against you. If we're talking about starting pitching here on the sports angle with your host, Rocker Kelly, what about teams that are missing in terms of starting pitching? How about teams that are missing on that situation? How about the Chicago Cubs? How about the beloved Chicago Cubs that your host's favorite team is? Because Kyle Hendricks is a really good pitcher, but you got rid of you, Darvish. John Lester is no longer there. In the last couple of years, you have let players go and you haven't brought them back. But hey, where are you bringing back Jake Arrieta five years past his prime? Which, by the way, as a Cubs fan, I'm not excited that Jake Arrieta's back. I'm in the minority. I don't think that it's a good move bringing back a Jake Arrieta five years too late. And if we're going to continue this conversation, what about the Cincinnati Reds? They lost Trevor Bauer. You have Amir Garrett. But honestly, who do you have in that starting rotation? Maybe Hunter Green, that nice prospect that you have in your organization. The problem with the Reds is that they have a gap in that starting rotation. Luis Castillo is nice, but is he a definitive number one? Not really. We could continue with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anybody remember when the Pittsburgh Pirates had Garrett Cole? Does anybody remember when they had Jamison Tyon? When they had a really solid built starting rotation? Well, ironically, they're both now at the New York Yankees, and the Pittsburgh Pirates are looking around, looking for starting pitching. The only team in the NL Central that I would actually trust with their starting rotation is the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals are built with Jack Flaherty. You have guys like like Miles Malakis. The St. Louis Cardinals have a good amount of depth in their rotation, but they would need to add more to go from being a playoff contender to a World Series contender. But let me ask all of you, let me ask everyone who is listening right now. If you had to trust one starting rotation, if you are playing fantasy baseball and you had to pick one team starting rotation to be your fantasy baseball, who are you picking and why? Because the Chicago White Sox are very nice. The New York Mets are very solid. And the Washington Nationals They take the bronze, in my opinion. But in your opinion, who do you think it is? Because I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox when it comes to the best rotation in baseball. When it comes to getting the job done on the mound, I'm picking the Chicago White Sox. And for the record, I don't like the White Sox. I don't hate them, but I don't like the Chicago White Sox. So the fact that someone who's a Cubs fan is telling you that the White Sox have the best starting rotation in baseball. I want you to keep that in mind. And spring training has been going on for the last couple of months. All right, the last couple of weeks, spring training has been happening, and we have seen the bullpen also start to shape up as well. We have seen teams trying to figure out who their bullpen is going to be this upcoming season. And this bullpen with the certain teams are not going to be that well. There are certain teams that are definitely going to struggle 
when it comes to their bullpen issues. I mean, the Washington Nationals for the last couple of years have had a very, a very big glaring problem with their bullpen. In fact, when they won the World Series, they were among the worst in terms of bullpen, but they managed to save it at the trade deadline. So the Washington Nationals, they're in that boat. They're in a boat where their starting rotation is nice, but their bullpen is lacking. The Philadelphia Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies, I wouldn't trust their bullpen. There is nothing that tells me that Philadelphia will be able to win games late with the bullpen they currently have. Let's also continue on the fact that the Miami Marlins have been building their bullpen, but with all of their guys that are established in that bullpen in Miami, could it really get the job done when it matters the most? And the New York Mets, for all the money they have spent, for all the money that has been spent on the bullpen with the New York Mets, Edwin Diaz, they have this good amount of players that are with the New York Mets organization. But if you have a second best rotation in baseball, but your bullpen blows a two-run lead late in games, it's not going to matter. It will not matter if you blow games late. And that's my problem with the New York Mets. The New York Mets isn't the fact that they don't have bats anymore. They went and got Lindor. They have Alonzo. They have McNeil. They have all of these guys that have bats. They have one of the best starting rotations in baseball. But your bullpen is lacking. Your bullpen is what's going to cost you if you're a Mets fan. So I am very confident in saying this, that my angle is that if the New York Mets really want to win a championship, if the New York Mets really want to bring that trophy back to Queens, then they need to invest in a bullpen because you've invested a good amount of money in the starting pitching. You invested a good amount of money in the bats, but you now need to invest in the bullpen. Because we saw in 2016 with the Cubs, we saw in 2017 with the Astros, and we saw in 2020 with the Dodgers. If you invest in your bullpen, they will get the job done when it matters the most. And until you invest and you bring in some good arms to come in late in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, you will not win a championship. And that's a situation that's going on with the Mets. And I think the only team in the NL Central that I would not worry about when it comes to the bullpen is the Atlanta Braves. Because the Atlanta Braves have spent money this offseason building up that bullpen. They spent money the past couple of years getting arms that will be able to help them late in the game. So the Atlanta Braves is a team that I can totally understand how they have built that bullpen the right way. The AL East, the New York Yankees have sacrificed their bullpen in order to build their starting pitching. You have Zach Britton, who's past his prime. You have Aroldis Chapman, who blows games late. Who else do you have in that bullpen for the New York Yankees? Because I want to remind all Yankees fans who are listening, when you won those championships in the 90s, it's because you had bullpen depth in your, in your corner. All right, yes, you had Mariano Rivera, but you had guys in the seventh and the eighth that were able to get the job done to allow Mariano Rivera to get to the ninth inning. And if you're the New York Yankees, you have to be worried because you're paying a lot of money to Garrett Cole. You just brought Jamison Tyon. You just got Corey Clubber. You are among the World Series favorites to win the 2021 World Series. You are among the favorites to get the 2021 World Series championship and get number 28 to the Bronx. But if your bullpen lets up, if Chapman does what he does best, which is blow games in the most important aspect, then I hate to say it, but you're not going to win number 28 if you don't build up your bullpen. If you do not get the job done when it comes to the bullpen, 
You are not going to win number 28. The Bronx Bombers are not going to get the job done if Erodis Chapman is wasting away in the ninth inning. If we're going to continue with the rest of the AL East, the Tampa Bay Rays had a very solid bullpen, but the Rays are clearly trying to rebuild. They're clearly trying to reshape their organization, so I wouldn't trust it. The Toronto Blue Jays, they're building for the future. They're not there yet. And more importantly, the Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles are rebuilding and bringing themselves back up. So when we come back from break, we are going to continue with our baseball conversation here on the Sports Angle. I am your host, Rocco Rakelli. We're going to be right back. Welcome back to The Sports Angle, live on Facebook. We are here in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. I am your host, Rocco Rakelli. Let's get back into it. Continuing with our conversation about baseball, spring training is here. They're getting ready. They're getting all their rosters together. And when it comes to roster spots, there are the players who are guaranteed. They know they're secure they know that they're going to be on the roster in 2021. Then there are the players who are fighting for their lives. There are the guys who know that they are on the cusp of being on the roster or being down in the minor leagues. And then there is the 40-man roster where there are minor leaguers who know that they're not going to make the main roster, but they are in spring training and they're going to make the most of it. And what I have always loved about MLB spring training, what I have always admired about watching these games is that you will tell what players are fighting for their lives. You can tell by the intensity and the way that a guy is running. You can tell by the way that he's willing to make that diving catch in left field. That there are some players that are willing to sacrifice their body to make a play in spring training. Now, if you are a starter in MLB, if you're a guy who's making $15, $16 million a year, I'm going to make a hunch and say you wouldn't make that diving catch if you didn't have to. What I will point out is this. 
is that when it comes to a roster spot, the fact is you have starting pitchers who are battling for that spot. You have relief pitchers who are battling for that spot. You have utility guys who are trying to make it onto the main roster. And if you've ever seen a starting lineup in spring training, you will notice that not every single player in the starting lineup is in the majors. All right, you will have those one or two players who are in the minor leagues who are in the starting lineup in spring training. And I want to ask you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that they would put minor leaguers in the starting lineup during a spring training exhibition? Why would they put a guy in left field who is battling for his job in terms of, will he be in AAA? Will he be in MLB to start the year? Because I have an idea. I believe the reason why they do this is because if there is a guy who is battling for the 24th spot, 25th spot, 26th spot in MLB, if that guy is battling for his job, you're going to put him in the starting lineup because you want to see what he can do. You're going to put him in the starting lineup in game one to see if he does better than the guy he's competing against in game two. In fact, we have had multiple examples of guys who have been in left field during game one, then there'll be a guy in left field for game two, and then they rotate during spring training. I'll give you a perfect example. The Chicago Cubs last year had Jason Kipnis at second base alongside with Nico Hoyner. And those two shared the second base spot during spring training. And we noticed that when they were going to go up against certain bats, they were going to have Nico Hoyner be in the game. When they were going to go up against a certain uh, guy that was a pitcher, they'd put Kipnis in the game. And by the end of spring training, Kipnis had won the starting job, but then Nico Hoyner had been starting in certain games during the regular season. The point I'm making is that when it comes to those roster spots in MLB, you will notice that those guys that are willing to make those diving catches, those guys who are willing to make that extra step and make that extra momentum push to slide in the second base, coaches will notice. The coaches will notice when a player is giving it is 110% in spring training. Because those $20 million players, they don't have to. Those $20 million players know that they don't have to try 100% in spring training. Why? Because they've already gotten the bag. They've already gotten the money. And you know what, Chuck Thomas, I absolutely agree. They pay pitchers a lot of money. But you know who also gets paid a lot of money? Outfielders. Can we talk about that for a second? The segue from players who are fighting for their lives in spring training. The players who get paid a lot of money. Like these outfielders are just being paid so much when it comes to Mookie Betts, when it comes to Cody Bellinger, when it comes to Mike Trout. There are so many players like a Bryce Harper that's out in the outfield and are making a lot of money. I mean, I think I read a post somewhere where three of the top outfielders in baseball are making a combined $840 million. I mean, that is insane. That only a trio of guys can make $840 million. And you talk about pitchers. Yeah, we've seen what Garrett Cole makes. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, but a lot of people tend to forget that pitchers will sometimes make a million. They'll sometimes make 875,000. It all depends on if you're an ace of the rotation. I mean, if you're the New York Yankees, if you are the New York Mets, Chicago Cubs, LA Dodgers, LA Angels, the San Diego Padres of late, there is this idea that certain teams are willing to bring out the checkbook to get the job done. And you know what, Mike? Absolutely. Those are the positions that do get paid. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, is that the owner's problem for why they're paying so much, or is that supply and demand? 
Is that the inflation bubble rising to the surface? Because if you know anything about the housing bubble, if you knew anything about the, you know, mark the internet bubble, eventually it had to pop. And when it did pop, everything went back down. So could that be, is that what's going to happen here in MLB? Are the salaries eventually going to pop? Is there going to be a bubble where they get to a certain point in terms of salary where it is going to deflate in terms of money? So you have to understand that when it comes to baseball, it, it is about how much money the owners want to pay. But let's also talk about the fact that certain owners are cheap. Did anybody see what the Cleveland Indians just did? What the teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates have done, Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland Athletics, those teams aren't willing to spend money in droves. Those teams are not able to spend the 100 plus million dollar price tag. So what do they have to do? They have to ship those guys or have them take a reduced salary to stay with the organization. And you know what? I'm glad you brought up revenue sharing because MLB would be screwed last year if they did not have revenue sharing. Okay. Understand that that TV contract that MLB paid for, the MLB gets thanks to these TV contracts. That's what saved a lot of teams from going under in 2020. In fact, there was an owner last year who said that he had lost, if I remember, around $100 million in 2020 which is an insane number to think about, to lose that much money in a calendar year. But hey, you had no fans in attendance. You had nobody buying the popcorn, nobody buying the sodas, nobody buying the merchandise. So with 2021 right around the corner, I'm going to ask you this question. With fans coming back in a reduced capacity, how much money do you think MLB is really going to make in 2021, are they going to remake or recuperate some of the losses they had in 2020, or will they lose the same amount of money or even maybe more money than they lost in 2020? Because that TV contract's not going to make themselves forever. That TV contract's not going to allow MLB to keep on going with the money they're spending. It's simply not. I mean, there's a reason why it's called an inflation bubble for a reason. And you know what? The Tampa Bay Rays, they are one of the most cheapest teams in MLB. No, scratch that. They're one of the cheapest teams in all of sports. I mean, there's no reason why free agents don't want to come to the Tampa Bay Rays organization. The Tampa Bay Rays are the reason why free agents go, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to Tampa Bay because I know I'm not going to get the spotlight. I know I'm not going to get the opportunities to make as much money. And you know what? When it comes to these sports clubs like Tampa Bay, like Cleveland, like Pittsburgh, at what point do you have to sit there and say, how cheap can you go? How cheap can you be as an MLB owner? With the NBA, we saw with the Phoenix Suns that their owner didn't want to pay a lot of money in the, in the 2000s. We had in the NFL, one of the cheapest owners of all time be in the National Football League. Y'all know who he is. And with the NHL, we had huge problems with the Chicago Blackhawks in the 90s and 2000s. And I understand that there are going to be some tough uh, growing pains. There's going to be some tough situations because like Mike said, it's going to take some teams five plus years to recover from COVID, right? Some teams might not recover and owners may sell. And if you want to talk about owners who may sell, how about the fact that MLB teams have been getting sold left, right, and center. We just saw with the New York Mets with Steve Cohen. He bought the New York Mets. He's been spending a boatload of money. How about the fact that there have been organizations who have said straight up, we can't afford to keep on doing this if we keep losing money. So if there was one owner in all the sports, and this is going to be a tough question, but stay with me here. 
if there was one owner in MLB that you think could sell their team because of all the losses that have happened in the last year and a half, MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, if there is one team that you think could be sold because of all the losses that have been happening, who do you think it will be and why? At General Motors, we make more than electric vehicles. We're helping to make the world a safer, more inclusive place for all. As the first automaker to support the Equality Act, General Motors celebrates and embraces diversity every day, especially during Pride Month, which is why we're proud to team up with iHeartRadio to support Can't Cancel Pride and the LGBTQ community. Because everybody in means everybody. Learn more at GM.com. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Because I think the Tampa Bay Rays, that could be the next owner that drops. Because he has been one of the cheapest owners in baseball. He doesn't want to get rid of Tropicana Field. He doesn't want to leave. He wants all these situations. I think if Tampa Bay played their cards right, if they got a new owner in Tampa Bay, then the Tampa Bay Rays could once again be a really good team to watch. Because you got to remember in 2008, the Tampa Bay Rays had some form of success. And I made an argument on this show in the past that if you really want to make the Tampa Bay Rays profitable, move them to downtown Tampa. Don't move them to St. Petersburg. No, take them to actual Tampa where they have a bigger population and people actually have money to spend. And more importantly, as Mike put it, they were just in the World Series. So if you were going to sell the Tampa Bay Rays organization, you would probably make a good amount of money considering that they were just in the World Series. And I like you brought the Pittsburgh Pirates, but the biggest problem with them is that the Pittsburgh Pirates are at a such a big downfall that I don't know if it would be profitable for a team to buy Pittsburgh. Like, I don't know if an owner could really look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and really make that big of a profit as opposed to maybe Tampa Bay. Like, Tampa Bay could make you a lot of money if you play it right. It's similar to Oakland. If there was somebody that could buy the Oakland Athletics, they could make that profitable. They could actually make a lot of money off of Oakland because they're going to have that proposed stadium there's been the renderings that I've seen of that stadium that is coming out in Oakland. So you have to ask the question, if Oakland could get a new owner and they have that new stadium, how much profitable, and more importantly, how much more money could Oakland spend to be a actual successful franchise in baseball? And same with Tampa Bay, because like Chuck Thomas said, it will always be a tourist attraction. And that is what the selling point would be for a new owner, because you would have a tourist attraction in downtown Tampa instead of St. Petersburg, which isn't really in Tampa. I know it is in the Tampa area, but it's not Tampa. It's similar to Oakland. All right. The Oco Coliseum, that isn't really where it needs to be to have this state-of-the-art upgrade and stadium in Oakland. And you know what? I think that Oakland, with them having no Raiders, with them having no Warriors, and with them having no San Jose Sharks, I think with them having only the Oakland Athletics, they need to keep that team around. They need to have at least one sports team in Oakland. And if you are the city council, if you are the people in charge in Oakland, you need to take charge with what's going on. Because a lot of people are going to sit here and say 
that the Oakland Athletics could move if Oakland doesn't do what they're asking. Because all Oakland wants is a new stadium. As much as that sounds like a lot of issues, Oco has been a huge disappointment over the last couple of decades. I mean, it has been a stadium that should have been dead years ago, but instead it's still alive and kicking. I mean, it's like the Buffalo Bills Stadium out there in in Orchid Park. The Buffalo Bills Stadium will not die. No matter how much they want a new stadium, it will not die. And Oco is that same situation. It will not die for some reason. But if Oakland can get a new stadium, I'm going to say that they could become a very profitable franchise in the upcoming situation. And to bring up a point that Mike uh, said, I want to address this real quick. Florida sports teams really don't sell out. That's where you're wrong. They don't sell out when they're losing, but when they're winning, we have seen Tropicana Field have a good amount of attendance when they were in the World Series in 2008. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a good amount of attendance during the John Lynch, Warren Sapp era. And to bring up the Tampa Bay Lightning with uh, Amelia Arena, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been a real big success in Tampa Bay. So I'm going to disagree with you there. Because Miami, University of Miami, used to sell at the Orange Bowl all the time. So if when they're losing, I agree, they don't sell out. But when they're winning, people in Florida rally around the sports teams. And you know what? With the Houston Astros, to all the people out there in Houston, you're going to hate me when I say this next, but I don't feel no pity for you. I feel absolutely no pity for the Houston Astros because the Houston Astros organization caused this on themselves. The Houston Astros got caught, tried to deny it, but got caught and pretty much got a slap on the wrist. I think that was the biggest problem a lot of people had with the Houston Astros organization. They just got a slap on the wrist. So understand that the Houston Astros don't need a new ballpark. The Houston Astros are still going to make the playoffs next year. I will fight someone on that. The Houston Astros still have enough talent. So if Houston is still making a profit because of them being a playoff team, and if they still have players that are at the star caliber level, like Jordan Alvarez, then there is nothing that's going to happen to the Astros organization. As long as it is Rob Manford's stepchild, as long as it is the team that Rob Manford's going to protect again and again and again, the Houston Astros are not going to have anything happen to them. And hey, the Cincinnati Reds, to bring up that point, Chuck, the Great American Ballpark, I have nothing wrong with it. And you know what? I think having a new ownership would be good because they have to build something new in Cincinnati. Because I know about the big red machine. They have all of that legacy. They had Ken Griffey Jr. with Cincinnati, Barry Larkin. They had Joey Votto, Scott Rowland. They've had some good players in Cincinnati. But in the world of MLB, it is about what have you done for me lately? And the Cincinnati Reds really haven't done much. They've made some wild card appearances. They made a playoff appearance when it was expanded to 16 teams. But the Cincinnati Reds really don't have a lot in terms of culture, in terms of building a winning tradition. They haven't done much in the last, I'm going to say, two and a half decades. So with the Cincinnati Reds organization, they need to look in the mirror and they need to understand that in order to build a winning tradition again in Cincinnati, you have to get the players to make it happen. You need to bring in a manager that can get it done. I mean, Dusty Baker, when he was in Cincinnati, you were winning for a bit. I mean, I understand that you had Sparky Anderson, who is one of the greatest managers of all time. 
So if Cincinnati wants to have a winning tradition out there, you have to bring in a good, good manager. You have to bring in the players necessary to get the job done. And since we're going to talk about the Oakland Athletics, I talked about them earlier here on the Sports Angle with your host, Rocco Rakelli. Who said anything about them moving to Las Vegas? Because a comment here, thanks to Vegas Karen, she said that Oakland will not allow the Oakland Athletics to move to Las Vegas without a huge fight. And who says that they would move to Las Vegas? I mean, understand there are cities like Nashville that wants a team. There are cities like Portland that wants an MLB team. There are cities like Charlotte that wants an MLB team. So if the Oakland Athletics were going to move anywhere, I don't think Las Vegas would be it. And more importantly, since we live here in Las Vegas for the sports angle, who says that they could have a ballpark built in time for the Oakland Athletics to get here? I mean, building a ballpark, it's not just easy as one, two, three, 24 hours later, boom, there's a ballpark. No, you have all this planning, all this construction, you have to have all these uh, permits and everything put in order. It's going to take time for any stadium to get built in Portland, in Nashville, in Charlotte, in Vegas. So if the Oakland Athletics move, I would not be 100% confident that it would happen to Las Vegas. And more importantly, I think the Oakland Athletics are going to have a fight from Oakland. Because I mentioned earlier in the show, they've already lost the Sharks. They've already lost the Warriors. They've already lost the Raiders. They are not going to lose the Athletics as well. Hey, you know what, Mike? I'm going to say no about that. Yes, you have no Verlander. You lost Springer. You lost Garrett Cole. But we have to understand that they still have Jose Altuve. They still have Carlos Correa. They have Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, two really young stars with the Astros organization. And they're being built up right now. Their starting rotation with Zach Greinke, it's still solid. It's not what it was, but it's still solid. So if there's any team that can actually get the job done and go back to the postseason in the AL West, I wouldn't count out the Houston Astros. And you know what? MLB is a moneymaker, and that's why I think they would sell. I think that's why the Oakland Athletics would be sold to a Portland. That's why they would be sold to a Charlotte, to a Nashville, to a Las Vegas. Because MLB makes a lot of money hand over fist. So if MLB is one of those moneymakers, one of those cities is going to want a team. You know, we've been talking about MLB here on the Sports Angle, but we're going to transition into the NHL. We're going to get into some hockey conversation. I'm your host, Rocco Rakelli, host of the Sports Angle. We are live in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. The Vegas Golden Knights are obviously the talk of the town, but there are more teams we need to discuss. And knowing this show, I love talking about the crap. I love talking about the teams that simply put, just they are at the bottom of the barrel. They are among the worst of the worst in the NHL. And let's talk about the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, Hockey Town, let's just have this talk real quick. Like, hold on, let, just, just real quick. How are you so bad? Like, honestly, Thomas Grice, you're just leaving him out there to die. Bobby Ryan has been this really nice story with his comeback. You're wasting him. Dylan Larkin should get traded, by the way. You're wasting his talent. Same with Tyler Bertuzzi. When he's not trying to fight people, he's, he's actually a really good player. Like, I feel bad for the 20 players that have to suit up for the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, Jeff Bashel is one of the worst coaches in the NHL. In fact, you can make the argument that he is the worst head coach in the NHL. I mean, they have no enthusiasm, no energy, a lack of experience in most places. 
I mean, you traded for Mark Stahl and you barely used the guy properly. Like the Detroit Red Wings in the span of four years have gone from being a team that had that long playoff run to now being the worst in hockey. I mean, the only team I can think of that has been worse than the Detroit Red Wings, the only team that I can think of that has had that big of a decline is the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, for anyone out here on the West Coast, you know what I'm talking about. The Anaheim Ducks went from a playoff contender year after year after year to now barely contending in the West Division. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings, I thought they were bad, but the Anaheim Ducks take the entire cake. I mean, the Anaheim Ducks are just running around in circles with their head cut off. I mean, John Kip- John Gibson's being wasted in net. Kevin Shattenkirk is signed to a big deal, not doing much with him. So understand that when it comes to Anaheim, when it comes to Detroit, when it comes to everything that this situation has, Anaheim, I feel bad for. Detroit, I feel bad for. San Jose in a roundabout way because of how much money it gave Eric Carlson. Like these teams are just at a terrible, terrible experience. And the New Jersey Devils, I give them a pass because they're rebuilding, because they're building up for the future. And Mike, here's what I mentioned. With Dylan Larkin, with how much talent he has, the fact that the Detroit Red Wings haven't traded him to get some more prospects, the fact that they haven't traded Dylan Larkin to bring in some more young players, that's what I'm surprised about. Yes, I know that Dylan Larkin, I think, is 24 years old, 25 years old around there. So if the Devils and the Red Wings, they are rebuilding, but it's just very sad to see what's happened to them. That uh, earlier in the decade, you know, early in the 2010s, the Devils and the Red Wings were the two constants in the NHL. And 10 years later, they are no longer that powerhouse. Same with the Sharks, same with the Ducks. And if we're going to talk about the Central real quick, if we're going to talk about the Central division in the NHL, how about we talk about the fact that there's a team in the Florida Panthers that have surprised the heck out of me. I mean, the Florida Panthers, a team that normally is in the mid-pack average, are the top team in the Central. How about we talk about the team like the Tampa Bay Lightning not being first in the division? I mean, a lot of people expected the Tampa Bay Lightning to get back to the Stanley Cup. There are a lot of teams and a lot of people who expected the Tampa Bay Lightning to keep on dominating in that division for the next couple of years. And there's a pretty good chance that Tampa Bay could get back to that. But the fact that Florida is beating them in a division, it's definitely a surprise. Hey, Mike, I want to mention that captains uh, have been traded before. In fact, captains do get traded a good amount of times in the NHL. I mean, there has been plenty of examples like Ryan McDonough, Ryan, uh, Ryan Callahan, Martin St. Louis. There has been all these captains in the past who have been traded. And in fact, there has been captains who have been traded for each other. I mean, I brought up the whole Martin St. Louis and Ryan Callahan situation. So, I mean, captains getting traded, it does happen. And with the NHL, it wouldn't surprise me if the Detroit Red Wings did it because they're trying to build with so much youth. And Dylan Larkin has some value. He does have a good amount of value. So with the NHL conversation that we're talking about here on the Sports Angle, I'm your host, Rocco Raquelli. We're here in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. And the Vegas Golden Knights, they have had a good amount of success in the first couple of years. But I've talked to people in the past. And I have mentioned that right now they're having a good amount of success, but how long is that going to last? I have talked about how the Vegas Golden Knights, after year five, after year six, after year seven, how many years is it going to take 
for Vegas's bubble to eventually pop? How long is it going to take for them to go from being top of the NHL to being around the middle, around the end part of that of that West Division? Because people here in Las Vegas are living in the moment. All right, the Vegas Golden Knights are first in the West Division. They are first in that conference. They were the last two years. But I want people to understand that nothing lasts forever. That there is no constant in the NHL. I mean, I just brought up New Jersey and Detroit in the last, in the last couple of minutes. Every team at some point is going to go from being a great organization to a good organization to an average organization to 50 feet of crap, bad organization. And with the Vegas Golden Knights, I will say this on the record. That if the Vegas Golden Knights don't win within that five-year window, if the Vegas Golden Knights after five years in that organization's history, if they haven't won a championship, I won't be surprised if they start selling off assets slowly one at a time. Because Bill Foley will notice how much money is pouring into the organization. Bill Foley and the Vegas Golden Knights will realize that, you know what, we're spending all this money uh, is it worth it to keep on going for a Stanley Cup run? So after next year, when it goes into year six, when it goes into year seven, year eight, at some point, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to have to address that cap situation. Eventually, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to have to wonder, is it worth it paying $82.5 million being right at the cap? if we are not winning a Stanley Cup at the end of the day? Because this is a question that every NHL team has to ask at some point. Do we keep the band together, or do we eventually get rid of the organization's uh, core? Because every team has had to do it. The Boston Bruins have had to do it. The New York Rangers have had to do it. Chicago Blackhawks have had to do it. Colorado Avalanche have had to do it. Every team in their NHL history has had to look themselves in the mirror and accept the fact that their window is no longer around. They have to understand that at some point, the team that they have will have to no longer exist. And my angle is that after year five, if they have not won a Stanley Cup, Bill Foley and that organization will have to make that decision. They will have to make that heart-to-heart decision. Do we keep on going for a championship or do we scale it back and try to not spend as much money as we do now? So we've been talking about the NHL here on the Sports Angle. I'm your host, Rocco Rakelli. We are live in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. And we're going to get into basketball real quick. Because there has been a lot of discussion about what are certain teams going to do at the trade deadline? What are certain teams going to do in terms of blockbuster trades? I mean, are the Atlanta Hawks going to trade to acquire a second piece alongside Trey Young and John Collins? How about a team like the Charlotte Hornets trying to acquire a, a big man to team up with LaMelo Ball with a Terry Rozier? What about, for example, the fact that Andre Drummond and Kyle Love and all these big men like a Boogie Cousins could be on the market? And teams are going to want to go after them. How about Kristaps Porzingis being in conversation of the Dallas Mavericks giving him up and going to a better team as a result? The Detroit Pistons with Blake Griffin. He's been in conversations for the last couple of months. If you are an NBA franchise, if you are an organization that's looking for a big man, there's a good amount of them right now. There are organizations 
that need a big man. And if you're a team that's going for a playoff run, you are going to want those guys. You are going to want those NBA big men to get the job done. So if you are the Brooklyn Nets, why not try to go get one of those big men? If you're a Philadelphia 76er, why don't you try to go get a big man to help yourself out with Joel Embiid? How about the Denver Nuggets? You add more depth to your roster. Because the teams that need that postseason run, that team that needs that push, they are going to need somebody big to get the job done. The Phoenix Suns, they're going to need that possibility. How about a team like the New York Knicks out of all people? When they make their playoff run, the Indiana Pacers, the Toronto Raptors. The point I am making is that when it comes to the NBA, with all of these trade deadline options, with all these blockbuster trades like a Carl Anthony Towns, don't be surprised if a big man eventually gets traded to a contender because they want to win an NBA championship. Don't be surprised if the Lakers try to add somebody because of the injury concerns of an Anthony Davis. Do not be hesitant to understand that the big man is coming back in terms of value. And NBA teams are going to want somebody to be part of that roster. Now, let me ask all of you who are listening right now. All right, let me ask everyone who's a part of the sports angle. Who do you think is going to win the NBA championship and why? Okay, because the Utah Jazz have been on a good run. The LA Lakers, LA Clippers, Philadelphia 76ers. There are some top heavy teams in the NBA. But I want to ask all of you, who do you think will win the NBA championship at the end of the at the end of the day? Because the Utah Jazz in my opinion could actually get the job done. I actually think the Utah Jazz could be a sleeper pick for winning the NBA championship. Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, they have built that roster for success in Utah. I have made the analogy before here on the sports angle that when it comes to the NBA, we have seen this version of the, of the, of the Utah Jazz before, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. Anybody remember in 2011 when Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Kidd, Jose Barea, Sean Marion, when they were part of the Dallas Mavericks roster, they were built very similar to the Utah Jazz. And I believe the Utah Jazz could get it done, that they could build that roster a very similar way. But what about the Los Angeles Lakers? Because LeBron James is part of that organization, so of course he is going to get the spotlight. And their roster isn't bad. Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, they have some talent on that roster. But is it enough, though? Is it enough to be a good enough team to win an NBA championship? Will the NBA champion be at the end of the year, the LA Clippers? Will their 49-year drought really be finished at the end of the year? How about a surprise team like the Philadelphia 76ers? Joel Embiid, MVP candidate, Ben Simmons, they have been building up that roster by adding veterans to the bench. Could Philadelphia be that team? What about a team like Brooklyn that had high expectations at the end of the year? Because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, that roster with James Harden, the Brooklyn Nets would obviously make a solid argument for why they could win an NBA championship. But at the end of the day, I want to know what you think here on the sports angle. I'm going to leave it up to the audience. Who do you think will win the NBA championship 
at the end of the year. Who do you think will be having a parade down their downtown with all of their favorite players cheering and so and so having a celebration? Who do you think it's going to be? Because I say the Utah Jazz have a very good chance of winning the NBA championship. And this is The Sports Angle. I'm your host, Rocco Rakelli. You can follow me on Twitter at Rocco Rakelli. Follow the show at The Sports Angle Radio on all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, on all sites, including Twitch. We are here Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Once again, that is 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. And I am your host, Rocco Rakelli. And so long, everyone. Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air.